Welcome to this podcast from Greater Boston on WGBH2. It is one in a series of interviews with authors conducted by Greater Boston host Emily Rooney. Our podcasts are made possible through the generous contributions of WGBH viewers and listeners like you. Thanks for joining us. And now, here's Emily. After longtime ABC News anchorman Peter Jennings died of lung cancer in August of 2005, his friend and colleague Lynn Schur thought there might be a book in the testimonials and interviews collected for a two-hour special on Peter's life. At first, his wife Casey said no, but after Lynn sent her a draft collection in the mail, she changed her mind. And the result is Peter Jennings, A Reporter's Life. And Casey Freed Jennings is here. Thanks for having me. This is a wonderful, eclectic collection of thoughts about Peter, which I think really capture what he was. You know, you go back, and of course I knew him, mm-hmm. having worked at ABC. Um, tell me a little bit how you came to put it together, though. Were all those interviews done for that? Or were the, they- the, yeah, all the, uh, we used exclusively the interviews done for the ABC special and the eulogies given at the memorial mm-hmm. to Peter, which was about a month later. And we decided, when we decided to do it finally, we decided to create a narrative. Mm-hmm. And so there's really a, a narrative structure. It's chronological. It's yeah, in his life, and it takes through and his reporting life and his yeah, anchor life. And, and his home life yeah, and yeah. his childhood. Yeah. <laughs> and But then I felt very strongly after the first draft that I was missing Peter's voice. Mm. And I felt it was really essential to get the, Peter's voice into it. So we went back, and I dug through letters and speeches and interviews mm. and transcripts from broadcasts and included them mm-hmm. so Peter's voice is woven throughout this narrative as well. He would have liked the title of this because of course he thought of himself as a reporter first and foremost in fact he never really thought of himself as an anchorman even though of course that's how America thought of him but you talk a lot about his reporting starts and especially how important his coverage of the Middle East was yeah. and how that actually got him a name a reputation too because some people were critical thinking that he might be favorable to pro-Palestinian. I think people did and you know he came under fire a lot for that mm. and I think that stems from the fact that he did live overseas and in the Middle East for many many years and grew to understand as some people in this country maybe don't as well that there are multiple truths in the Middle East and multiple sides to the Middle Eastern story and at a time when not that many people in this country gave much voice to the Palestinian and Arab side of the Middle Eastern story, Peter did. And because of that, he was often accused of being either pro-Arab or uh, anti-Israeli. And I think to people who knew Peter well, both as a journalist and a friend, knew that that wasn't at all true. He mm-hmm. simply believed it looking at both sides of the coin. I mean, when we would travel to the Middle East with Peter, a typical trip would be Sabbath dinner one night with a Jewish friend in Jerusalem, followed by a goat roast in Ramallah with Palestinian friends the next night. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, but it taught him, I think, to see the world as a much more complicated place than many of us do. Mm-hmm. And this idea that there are multiple and mm-hmm. often competing truths. He had kind of a love-hate relationship with Rune Arledge, who was also a mentor in many respects. And in the 1972 Munich Olympics, Ruin thought it would be a grand idea to have Peter come and do the non-sports stories. And you tell in the narrative how he was so bored at first doing you know, Leroy yeah. Neiman paintings, you know, the, the, the yeah, And those artists. of us who know him well can imagine <laughs> him chomping at Leroy the bit. Leroy Neiman. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, um, the horrible incident. That's right. And P- Peter was there because Ruin, who was then the president of NBC Sports, felt that there needed to be a news person with ABC. 
who had the Olympic coverage that year. And so he brought Peter in from the Middle East. And as, of course, it turned out, there was a horrific incident with um, the Palestinian terrorist and the Israeli athlete. And Peter was in the Olympic Village at the time without a camera, with a walkie-talkie, and was able very quickly to identify, or he thought he could identify, which faction yeah, of the Palestinians they were, a group called Black September, which very few people in the West or this country had ever heard of before. But Peter, because of his experience, did. And because ABC had the Olympics, they controlled the airwaves, as it were. So Peter established himself as a reporter, as a live reporter, mm -hmm. Um, and it was sort of a precursor of what was to exactly. come later. I mean, he dared say that. I mean, he became, let's face it, he was the person to turn to for any large national event from, you know, assassinations to, of course, 9-11, the Millennium broadcast, all of those things. I mean, that was just where people went. He had such an, an ease and a, a facile way about putting the information on the air. He had extraordinary abilities. I sort of call it the perfect storm. He, he had this combination of qualities, both good and sometimes annoying, yeah. but they <laughs> came together, as you yeah. well know, but they came together to create the perfect combination of characteristics for the anchorman. Um, he was a first-rate reporter. He was an incredible communicator. He had the ability to take in information from 10 different sources at once, wrap them all around in his head, edit a script at the same time, listen to three people in his ears, and follow the story. It, it, it was, there were a lot mm. of talented anchors, but I think he was in some ways almost unique. Mm -hmm. He, as many of the people mentioned, in the head, head, was also very emotional. I mean, I would see him cry when Christopher won mm. a hockey game. Um, uh, at the, literally, things moved him in a way. And he had, I mean, I say this with all, and I'm sure he, he was in touch with his feminine side. You know, he would constantly comment on people's good. clothing, on the color of their hair, on, you know, whether their boyfriends were any useful or not. And he just had a way of doing that. And sometimes it would really hurt people or they'd be upset by it. But he was very natural about it. Yeah, he <laughs> never, you know, I, I genuinely don't think he ever meant to hurt anyone. But <laughs> God knows he said uh, things sometimes yeah. that could be hurtful and there's no one I think in the end who felt worse than he did because he genuinely didn't see it that way. Um, <laughs> the new honesty. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't even think he's, you know, I think he just thought he was being helpful or whatever it was. I mean, he certainly was demanding um, and, you know, as you saw with his broadcast, he was massively demanding of all the people around him. Um, but I think it's fair to say he demanded at least as much of himself as he did of others and both personally and professionally. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so I, th you know, I, I think he could be very difficult to work for and he could also be the best in the world to work for. Mm. Um, I worked for him at one time, so I knew him I first know as, um, as a boss and colleague. Yeah, everybody sort of tells a story about how he goes through their copy and pulls it apart. And at first you're thinking he's just ripping it apart you know, for his own amusement and you realize he's putting it back together with something that's a better product. Yeah, he, he had a way of hon homing in on the essential bit of a story. I, I used to sometimes read a book after he did or an article after he did. And I was one of those people in school who underlined, highlighted mm. everything, and like three mm. quarters of it would end up highlighted. You'd look at Peter's and there would be four words highlighted mm. in five pages. 
and they would always be the perfect ones. They were the essential nugget mm. of whatever was important that way. And he also had a, um, he prided himself on being a contrarian. contrarian. Um, and I think that was actually very valuable. He, he hated conventional wisdom. He hated intellectual laziness. So he always pushed himself and others to challenge that mm. and to look for something beyond it, look at a more original way of assessing a situation or asking, you know, the question that no one else was going to think of. And he sort of automatically thought of those questions. And in the end, he, he talked about smoking and realized, of course, that that's what brought on his lung cancer. But even though he had quit, he still was sort of a, he smoked every now and then. I mean, I saw him he, take a few and then, you know. He did every now and then. He was the fastest smoker I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> And it, it almost like that didn't count. <laughs> <laughs> I think he probably, in his mind, thought it didn't yeah, count. Yeah, exactly. So because I, I remember right. you telling viewers that he had quit twenty years ago. I was like, mm, no, wait a minute. Well, I he did. He did. He did say he started again. At <laughs> Somebody said in the book he he quit many times. He, he did quit many times, and when he quit, essentially for the last yeah. time in the eighties, uh, he had to get hypnotized to do it. I mean, yeah. it was very, very difficult, which is why I was very upset when he started smoking yeah. again around nine yeah. eleven. But it was hard to say anything. Then and then he pretty well quit after that. I mean, there was the occasional cigarette, I suspect. Yeah. Um, after that, but you know, I obviously I would say to anyone, don't do it. Don't it's do just, it. You know. yeah. Casey Freed Jennings, pleasure to see you again. Love the book. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thanks so much for having Thanks me for and him. Thanks for listening to this podcast, one in a series of interviews conducted by Greater Boston host Emily Rooney. We invite you to watch Greater Boston weeknights on WGBH2 at 7 p.m. and again at midnight. The program is also available through Comcast On Demand.